This is the audio of Bible study taught by Pastor Adam Moline from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find our website at goodshepherdlincoln.org, and there's a uh, treasure trove of other information available there as well. Uh, let's get into Bible study now. We're going to go ahead and uh, dive into Genesis then. And we had been talking about, right before the questioning, we were talking about what kind are people? Human. Yes, we are our own kind. And this is important because this is not what they teach in the, the public sphere any longer, right? According to the theory of evolution, what kind are people? Yeah, we're animals just like all the other animals. And in fact, they say our closest relatives are who? Yeah, gorillas, orangutans. Karen said monkeys. Actually, not monkeys. Monkeys have tails. We're related to um, chimps, right? No tail. Okay, that's what society teaches. But that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture makes a distinction between humanity and all the other creatures. And we need to know that in our minds. Okay? We're not evolved from apes. We're not evolved from chimps or orangutans or gorillas or, you know, Vicar is not related to a baboon, no matter what he looks like. Okay, no, just teasing. Just teasing, Vicar. Okay? So there is a distinction there. And in fact, that distinction is between us and all creatures, all animals. People are different. And so for many of these bioethical questions that we were talking about last time, that's distinction number one that we need to keep in mind. People are distinct. They are the pinnacle of God's creation. And they rule and govern over all creation um, underneath God, but they've been given authority over it um, as human beings. We see that, we talked about that a little bit when we were earlier in Genesis. And so when we make that distinction first off, what that means is that you cannot marry or have relations with or adopt into your family any type of animal. And I feel weird that we have to say that today, right? <laughs> okay, you, you do know there's people who want to do this. There's people who want to claim their pet as their spouse. And that's not right. That goes against the distinctions God has put in place in creation. Or even sexual acts with animals is outside that distinction that God put into place. 
And those things do happen. Okay, so we can't marry or be related to familially with any creature. But within our kind, we have freedom. And we see this in the scripture. Right? So, in a broad sense, we see it, perhaps the most clear place is um, Joseph, with his technicolor dream coat, he's descended from whom? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the way back to Shem, all the way back to Shem from the ark, right? Okay? And he marries, anybody know? What's that? May know who Mrs. Joseph is? Yeah, she's an Egyptian. She's an Egyptian. And he marries her. She's the daughter of an Egyptian priest, no less. Okay? He marries her. And so, at the most basic level, one would say, okay, that is an interracial marriage, and we have freedom in that. Now, the second part of the question that was asked last week, right as we were coming to an end, was, okay, what about then animal parts being used in people? And there's different levels of this, okay? There's different levels of this um, in this way. One of our members, oh, I don't know, two or three months ago, had a shoulder surgery and had tendons from a cow, I think a cow, a bovid, placed into their shoulder to replace ones that were frayed and broken. Okay? That's one level. There's another level, okay, what about putting a pig heart into a person? so that their heart keeps working. That's the next level. And then I suppose we could always guess about the next level. Um, What if we took John's brain and put it into the cow now so that he's controlling the cow with his brain? So there's these different levels. (laughs) What distinctions help us determine whether these are beneficial or not. Scripture. They don't always work, right? John, if we try to put your brain in a cow, it probably won't work. Okay? Or even... um, Yeah. I don't want to go too far down that. Okay? There's possibilities that these things could work in the future. What's the governing principle, though, that's important for us as we consider all of these things? What's God's promise to us above all else? To save us? What does that mean that He's going to save us? We can die, but then we'll live 
Exactly. That we're going to die, but when that happens, we will still live forever in Him. In fact, on the last day, what's God going to do? Yeah, He's going to come down, and wherever we're buried, right? So, I'll be buried out west of town, um, Yankee Hill Cemetery. My body will be in the ground there. It will decompose. All that will be left, perhaps, will be my bones, but even over time, they will decompose. But God promises through Jesus that on the last day, He's going to put my body back together perfectly, and that I will live with Him in His kingdom, world without end. Now that's crazy to think about because He's going to put my body back together perfectly. On my vicarage, they made the vicar play church league softball. You can verify all this with my wife. Okay? And I was running across the outfield trying to get a ground ball coming towards me. And I took a wrong step and I heard a loud in my knee. And I tore my ACL. Okay, they called me Vicar Gimpy from then on. And they had to cut out what was left of my old ACL, and they put part of my patellar tendon in there to take its place. My old ACL pieces then, where are they? Yeah, presumably they were either incinerated or they're in a Sioux Falls landfill. Okay, so I limped around on crutches for a while and then limped around for a while after that. And about, I don't know, six weeks, two months after I recovered from that surgery, I didn't feel good at work. I went home and it got worse and worse and worse. And in the middle of the night, I went to the hospital and I had appendicitis. Okay? Hence, Vicar Gimpy. Okay? They named a wing of the hospital in Brookings after me. <laughs> they had to take my appendix out. And again, where is that? The matter is somewhere, but it doesn't exist as an appendix any longer. But in the resurrection, what is God going to do? He's going to put me back together perfectly. That's our hope. That's God's promise. That's the truth. When we believe in that, and we understand that God is in control of all things in this world, that puts some of the things into a different light, doesn't it? Okay? If you are in a situation where the only way, this, I'm going to tell, say it from the medical way it's said, the only way you'll continue to live is via a pig heart being implanted in you to replace your own heart, is that statement I just said actually the truth? No. How are you going to live? 
Yeah, God is going to raise you on the last day. You don't have to put all of your eggs into the pig heart transplant basket. Instead, you ought to put all your eggs in which basket? Even when my heart stops, God is going to raise me from the dead. Now that gets to be a little bit differently than, okay, I'm in fine health and I will continue to live for a good many years, but it would sure be handy if my shoulder was working the right way. Do you see how that's a distinction? Okay? I'm not... And answering these questions is very difficult because behind it all is what is the faith of the person that's involved in these questions? Do they believe that Jesus will raise them from the dead? If you have that faith, then all of a sudden you have a little bit more freedom. Now, freedom is a terrible thing sometimes, <laughs> okay? Um, and you know this from your lives, okay? When husband and wife talk about where they're going to go out to eat, okay, do they have great freedom? Does that make it easy? <laughs> well, how about Italian? I don't want Italian. How about Mexican? Well, I don't want Mexican. <laughs> Right? Do you have these kinds? Is it just me? Okay. We have freedom because we have dominion over the earth to use things for our benefit. But so often some of the bigger questions get done because what's driving it, we heard about this last week in a sermon, is actually our fear of death. And if the fear of death is driving our decisions, what is needing repair? Our faith. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Now with that, with those bigger tiered questions, like taking John's brain and putting it in a cow, or even I think there's questions about using a pig heart to keep a human alive, we've asked the question, can we do this? But we really need to ask the question, should we do this? And I think that's where a whole lot of conversation could be had, and it'd be philosophical in a lot of it. I think there's some questions that have to be asked there. All right. Shar. Where am I wrong? Where, no, <laughs> no just go ahead. No, 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 no. Uh, you should question me, but... DNR. What's that? DNR. DNR. Do not resuscitate. I feel like if that's my time to go, then... Yeah. Do not resuscitate um, orders are legal documents that can be attached to you that say when particular things have happened that you are willing to allow yourself to die rather than to go to extreme medical um, 
procedures to keep yourself alive. And you should think about these things and decide if how best to handle these things, and importantly, <laughs> not just talk about it, but also tell your powers of attorney, your heirs, your spouse, whoever's going to be making these decisions, what your views are on it. Is it acceptable as a Christian to have a do not resuscitate order? Yeah, it is. For example, my grandpa had Lou Gehrig's disease. Okay? And all of the muscles in his body were slowly getting weaker. So he, he stood like this. We called him Eileen for the last six months of his life because he couldn't hold himself up. Okay? So one of the muscles that wore out was his heart. And there was nothing that could be done to strengthen the heart again. The doctors could keep him alive on a machine, but he opted to have a do not resuscitate order that allowed him to die. Why? What's the hope? Yeah. When he died, his soul would go to be with God, and on the last day, body and soul be reunited, his body raised perfectly. Okay, that's a perfectly acceptable thing, and you should think about these things ahead of time because it will make it much easier for your, um, is the word antecedents, or the people who survive you. What's that? Beneficiaries. Beneficiaries. <laughs> yeah, no, so that's, I didn't use beneficiaries on purpose. <laughs> because in... Um, I have, how should I say it? I know of a situation where the heirs, the beneficiaries, decided not to do any treatment so that they could get to farmland. <laughs> that part is wrong. <laughs> okay? And that's the thing. With every situation... It's really tough to just make blanket statements about all of this because there's faith of the individual involved, there's faith of the people around them, uh, and, and all these questions have to be weighed very carefully in all of these decisions. Killing your loved one to get the farmland is not good. Uh, or I know of a situation where when you're on hospice, Sometimes they give you morphine. Like, like you saw Saving Private Ryan. You know that when somebody got shot, they stuck the little pokey thing in them that had morphine to help numb the pain. They left some of those with the person who was dying from cancer. But Survivor was tired of the in-laws being there and gave them more of them to speed along the process. <laughs> that is also wrong. That's why we don't want to use the word beneficiary <laughs> um, in that sense. Okay. What about organ donation? What about organ donation? Yeah. Or, by extension, 
donating blood, things like that, okay? Is there anything wrong with donating your organs? I don't think so. Even if Karen's heart ends up inside of Shar, on the last day, what's God going to do? Put it back. Okay? Now, I will tell you the truth, too. I have been with lots of people when they die. And, and I know we have people in the congregation who have received organs from organ transplant. And that's good. 99.9% of the time, do you know what organ they take from you if you're an organ donor? Your eyes. That's the only thing. So have that in your mind, at least. If I'm an organ donor, it's probably my eyes that they're going to take out. Not my heart, not my liver, not my kidneys. It's probably my eyes. Okay? You're free. God will put it back. You need to think through all these things very carefully. Even to the point where your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I know that's cliche. You're not necessarily in control of where your parts are going to go. <laughs> that's difficult. Yeah. Yeah, the question is we're going to be raised perfectly. Is it going to be a spiritual body or a physical body? It's going to be, maybe the answer is yes. <laughs> right? Our soul, our spirit, our soul, and our body are complete when they are together. And physically, our flesh will be raised from the dead just like on Easter when Jesus' body is dead in the tomb what is raised? His physical body. That's what makes a person, his body and soul, together. And so we will be raised, body and soul, together on the last day. Then the follow-up question was, does that mean that we'll need nourishment? And the answer that Scripture seems to speak about is yes, and it will all be provided by who? God, in the wedding feast of the Lamb and His kingdom, which has no end. I think Isaiah says, um, the best of wines and meats and uh, all the tasty foods, God will provide in that way, in heaven. Um, I think we could say, though, because everything will be perfect, as we eat all that stuff, we, we will be perpetually perfect. Right? And um, the gray hairs, I don't know if they'll be there or not. It depends on if you consider your head being perfect with the gray or not. Right? <laughs> okay. Um, some of these things we don't know the answer to 
body and soul together, we will eat. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall. Yes, Tim. It's true. I do. Everybody see that? We don't force tigers to be uh, vegetarian. Yeah, Tiffany. Well, that's, yeah. She said, humans are the only ones with morals. And there's a series of things that we could get into that are distinguishable between humans and animals that, that are built into how God created us differently. Okay? And we could get into those. I didn't want to go down that path all the way because it, it, there's a lot we could talk about. What's worth seeing is that the modern-day age and world is trying to eliminate that distinction. And they do it by saying things like this. Your DNA is 97% like the DNA of a fruit fly. I don't know if the number's right, but you've heard things like that, right? Okay. Or they say, did you know that bottlenose dolphins have feelings? Or they... um, I don't know what creatures solve mazes. Mice can solve mazes. And when they do that, what's behind what they're saying? What's the thing they want you to think? That there is no distinction between people and creatures. And it's not that they are elevating the creatures, really, so much as what are they doing? bringing people down. And the logical conclusion to that argument is um, if humans are lowered to the same level as all the other creatures, then we also need to maintain the planet and every creature gets the same input. And so maybe we need to eliminate people because they are being overpopulated. I'm, I'm oversimplifying here, but I know of congressmen and women who say these things. Right? Have you heard this? Or even um, the reason that Planned Parenthood was started was to eliminate one particular type of people. Did you know this? Right? Okay. Uh, Margaret Sanger. Go, go home and Google her. She wanted to eliminate African-American people. And so she's one of the driving forces that led to what Planned Parenthood is. And in fact, the majority still today of abortions 
are from minority people. That's what it does, okay? It's trying to eliminate overpopulation. If you bring people down, that opens the door to these things. Rather than what we say as Christians are, is that people are the pinnacle of God's creation, and that God bestows their life, like we've talked about, and so we seek to preserve that life and to uphold that distinction. Does that make sense? Yes, Clint. It was uh, correctly stated that only humans have morals. Correct. But not all humans have the same morals. Correct. And when we're talking about power of attorney, medical power of attorney, do not resuscitate, uh, be very, very careful who you choose. Mm -hmm. Make those decisions on your behalf. That they share the same faith, the same morals, the, the same goals that you have. You and I had a situation with one of our shut-ins where the power of attorney and the medical power of attorney was given to family members way ahead of time, thinking that would make things easier at the end. And then, before the end, decisions were made, and uh, a life was cut short because of expediency. And, um, yeah, and I, I tried to say I've seen this several times. <laughs> okay, this, this is don't don't let the person who's going to get the farm have the decision, because <laughs> they might love the farm more than they love you. Yeah, these are. These are important questions to consider. All right, yeah. So on that same note. Um, yes. So hospice, which I've been with several of my family members in hospice, as have you, as a, as a hobby. So the comfort measures that are offered. Yeah. So you're saying what? That? The comfort measures that are offered in hospice. Um, what am I saying about those? They are perfectly allowable insofar as they are doing that, comforting and preventing suffering. Where there's the line is when they're used as a tool to bring a life to an end. There's, there's an amount of morphine, and I don't know the numbers or how it works, where if you give a person enough morphine, it makes them die. We would not want to make someone die. You can have them to limit your suffering. And, I'm, and I always say this, and maybe I'm not brave enough to do it. I told my wife and my kids, what 
what is most important to me as I am dying, and every person has to decide these things for themselves, okay? Sin boldly, trust in the mercy of God more boldly still. I don't want to have those things until such time as my pastor has been there and I've confessed my sins, been absolved, and received the Lord's Supper if I'm able. And I might die of a heart attack in the middle of the night and not get that chance, right? But lots of times, as a pastor, when I finally get a call, somebody's at that point, they have had those comfort measures to the point where they're no longer able to receive the Lord's Supper, or maybe even um, they're not necessarily hearing the word. So these are the things you have to think about. (laughs) Even how much, at what point. Okay? And just to be completely clear, you might be sick in such a way that comfort measures won't do any good. Right? I visited a man in North Dakota who had cancer and for two months was in the VA hospital in pain, and every breath he took was, help, 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 help. And hearing that for two months visiting a person, that's tough. (laughs) You have to think through these things, communicate with the people who are going to be making the decisions to help you, and be wise. And what's the most important thing in all of it? Faith, which is fed by God's Word and the sacraments. And so, you have freedom. It's a terrible thing sometimes. And as we make these decisions, this is where Luther's quote, maybe this is where we'll close. Um, when Everybody quotes him, sin boldly, right? There's even sin boldly coffee, and uh, it's on coffee mugs and t-shirts, sin boldly. Sometimes there's not very clear, good answers for us in a purely logical thinking things through way. And so we make the best decision we can, even if it's sin this way or sin that way, we make the best decision we can and we trust even more boldly in the forgiveness of sins earned by Jesus Christ. Because without that, it doesn't really matter what choice we make one way or another. Sin boldly, trust in Christ even more boldly. That's the rest of the quote that we don't always put on the coffee mugs. (laughs) Okay? Faith in Christ, that's most important. It's fed by God's word and sacraments. Make sure you don't eliminate those things from your plans. All right. I don't know if I made any sense or if I answered any questions. We're out of time, so I guess <laughs> it doesn't matter. We'll go back to Genesis next week. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.